Hi folks, David here with a quick update about this episode of Logbook Memories. This episode was recorded way back on May 13th of 2020. About a month after this episode was recorded, our guests, and yes there are two, were involved in a forced landing event. And those of you who know our guests are already familiar with that particular event and will probably be wondering why we didn't discuss it on this episode. And that's simply because it was recorded prior to that particular event taking place. Our guests obviously uh, were fine after that event, and they will be joining us back on the show in a future episode to tell us the story of that forced landing event. So we look forward to hearing that. But you won't hear anything about it in this episode other than this little bit right here because it took place prior. All right, let's get after it. Yeah, I I just happened to notice the other day, I guess, um, Alyssa, you, you are all over the place right now. Yeah. You have been bouncing um, around. So I had a girlfriend that was moving to Naples. And I was like, hey, I'm off work. Uh, you need somebody to go with you? She's like, that'd be awesome. So I didn't have to drive it by myself because it's like 20 hours. So I was like, sweet. So we drove it. It only ended up being like 17 because there wasn't as much traffic and things. But um, we drove down and I stayed at their house uh, two nights and then I went to Trevor and Eileen's um, for two nights, I guess. And I visited my girlfriend in Tampa and flew the Stearman and, you know, I just kind of was all over. And then um, went up Georgia, um, did some stuff in Georgia, went to Tennessee, Kentucky, and now I'm in Ohio. I'll go to Indy tomorrow, and then I'll stop some places on the way home. But I'll be home Friday night, finally. So my mom's kind of getting frustrated that I uh, dropped the dogs off two weeks ago and was like, yeah, I'll come back sometime. <laughs> I'll be back on Sunday <laughs> no, in three like, weeks. Well, you be back Friday? And I'm like, yeah, like the next week. <laughs> yeah. So, what would you do in Tennessee? Um, okay, Tennessee. I have some friends in Knoxville. Okay. Um. So I stopped and saw them. We went on some hikes and um, I did a helicopter tour of like uh, the the Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg area and the Smoky Mountains. That was kind of fun. Uh, One of the little touristy ones that's right there off the road? Yeah. It was like in that Seaverville or whatever that place is called. Seaverville. Yeah. It was nice. But um, but yeah, I just did that flight. But what I didn't realize is because of all the COVID stuff, they put up this plexiglass between the pilot and the back seat, and you can't sit in the front seat. And uh. um, and then they didn't give you headsets because they didn't want to clean them. You know, have to clean them after every single person. So yeah, so I yeah, that was that's not suboptimal. Fun. Yep, yeah. I agree. That's what we have to do now. I mean, where I fly out of in Chattanooga, we have to. Uh, they just reopened two weeks ago. The FBO. Um, it's a small little airport, private airport. So, I mean, if you had your own airplane, you can go fine, but in a hangar. But they they close the FBO for flight training. Yeah. And um, but now that they're open, yeah, they have to. We have the whole thing of those little Clorox wipes. We have to wipe down, you know, headsets and instruments and yokes and doorknobs Crazy. and everything. Everything. So. Yeah. Yeah. They were good about wiping everything on the outside and things down, but um I had my own headset. Well, I guess it wouldn't have plugged in because it was a different cord. Ah, yes. Yeah, true. But yeah, so anyways. Which makes a lot of sense to me. I don't know. 
But no, I actually just got my flight review done because mine, even though technically I would have been legal with the extension that the FAA just did, but my flight review uh, expired in end of April. March, oh, man. March, April, whatever it is. Yeah. So, and with them closed, I haven't been able to fly for three months. So I was like, crap. So but we got out, did two flights, had a bunch of crappy landings. She wouldn't, <laughs> she wouldn't sign me off. We were flying oh, back. So what did you think was the worst part of this flight today, Michael? And I said, well, <laughs> it was those three really bad landings. She says, yes, they were. And I am not going to sign you off today. <laughs> and I said, all right. Uh-huh. So... We went so out the next. Go back for that or I went. Out, I went back the next day and greased five of them. That's nice. Yeah. So. I think it's just getting back into that groove. Of- yeah, it was a little bit. The plane was situated a little bit differently inside for some reason. The, I was seated higher. I wasn't as comfortable sitting in the plane for some reason. Something something wasn't driving with how I was sitting in the plane. I don't know what it was, but um, yeah, I was fine the next day. So, but now I want to go out, I think, Friday afternoon for a little bit and then take a friend of mine up on uh, Sunday. Awesome. I got to do my spin training in the Steerman down in Florida, and that was insane cool. I had Did never you really? Done, I had never done spin training, and I, haven't I was like, either. well, you know, the Steerman's pretty slow and just like, you know, kind of not snappy. So I'm like, that'll be a good choice, you know? And actually, it was really easy and great and really a lot of fun. So, you know where I want to go is that uh, Stearman. Oh, is it Stearman? Staggerwing, uh, Flyin, and Galesburg, Illinois. Oh, the Stearman Flyin. It's not. Yeah. yeah. Is it Stearman or Staggerwing? It's Stearman. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Galesburg. Like it's like in September. September. Yeah. yeah. I want um, to do that I one year. I went to it three days last year, and I'll probably go up there again. Okay. Um, it's not too far. Um, but yeah, it's definitely like when you can see. 70 80 steermen on one field at one time and they're not just parked they're taking them out every day flying you know and that's Where's pretty this? impressive and gillsburg flying in um gillsburg illinois illinois wow it's yeah. it's, it's, it's literally about come, 30 minutes from my parents camping. from my in-laws place and they've never been <laughs> what? yeah it's really cool and like it's just really laid back, you know, it's usually an older crowd, but there are some younger people that have them and, you know, it's, it's just a lot of fun. They do a parade, you know, where they fly them all through town and people in town, like, you know, go watch. It's pretty cool. Somebody who I, when I was in high school, um, one of my, one of my classmates, his dad owned a steerman and offered to take me up in it. And let me tell you, that was a riot doing Acro over the Indian River on a Saturday morning in an airplane that is an exercise in energy management. Like you, you want to do a loop? Great, dive for one thirty-five or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was a riot of an airplane. That's so much and, fun. Oh my gosh! And catching a seventy-mile-an-hour wind by putting your hand straight up. You know, it's just like yeah. You know, you don't wheel open. it realize how much wind is whipping through until you stick your hand out. <laughs> it's yeah. like, whoa. Yeah. Dislocate your so. shoulder. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was very so. cool.
Welcome to Logbook Memories, an aviation podcast about remembering and sharing our past flights. I'm David Allen, a student pilot. And I'm Michael Ladd, a private pilot. Guests on Logbook Memories look back through their pilot logbook to find a particularly interesting, adventurous, enjoyable, scary, or otherwise memorable flight. Then they come on here and share the story of that flight in their own words. Our next guest is ready to go, so let's mic him up. So our guest this week is the cast of a fellow podcast, uh, Cockpits and Cocktails. And if you're familiar with this cock, this uh, podcast, it's actually two people. And uh, Mike, we're lucky enough to get both of them <laughs> on the, the show today time. at the same time. In fact, they're sitting right next to each other. Uh, we have we're Fly Alyssa <laughs> and... <laughs> That's right. Uh, Fly Alyssa and Natalie Flygirl Kelly of the Cockpits and Cocktails podcast. And if you haven't heard this podcast, um, I would give you permission right now to pause this, go listen to that podcast, and then come (laughs) back and and push play. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Okay, time's up. Uh, If you haven't done it yet, too late. We're going to get into our show. But uh, uh, ladies, thanks so much for joining us here on Logbook Memories. This This is cool. Yeah, thank you for inviting us. Yeah, we are so excited. Well, good. <laughs> well, good. So excited. <laughs> uh, and it's and, and you know if you, if you hear anything in Alyssa's voice there that that makes you know, she says I'm so excited. But if she, if if you're if you're not convinced, it's because she's already done another podcast today, <laughs> and they that. did a live Q and A live live trivia. Uh, and this is after, you know, traveling all over the place. Like you guys are, you, you ladies are busy, busy, busy. <laughs> I feel like That's we've been, we like it, right? I feel like we've been like not busy. Oh no. So chill lately. Yeah. yeah. We, it's, it's kind of different for us not to have a schedule, you know? <laughs> well, I know you guys went flying. Uh, I keep saying guys, I know you ladies went flying yesterday, um, up to where sporties, I think. We did, yes. Oh, yeah, so too, that was such a long flight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like 15 minutes. Yeah, such a long flight. It was about 15 minutes. Um, what did you fly? Oh, that we flew a 152. That was a 152. We yeah. actually took two flights we did yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. Um, we did the 152, and then we decided that uh, we don't like it, and so we flew the 172. Wasn't enough, so then we got a 172. Yeah, and so and we just, took like, a sunset flight. Yeah. Nice. That's super cool. I love it. Yeah. Um, so let's just, uh, if, you're, if you're not familiar with them, um, you're not paying attention because these ladies are kind of all over the place. Uh, Alyssa, tell us uh, just a quick background about, about you and your flying experience, um, how you got into flying, and, and the kind of things that you're doing. Uh, and, then, and then we'll do the same with Natalie. Okay. Uh, so my name is Alyssa, and I have been flying now for three years. I started my private list uh, license in, uh, or my certificate in uh, May of 2017, right? Is that right? Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I got my pilot's license in November of 17. So, yeah, a couple years. And I really had no experience in aviation before that point. No family, nothing. So uh, my first air show was Sun and Fun, six months after my pilot license. So I didn't really know anybody in aviation. And then after that, I just kind of dove into everything head first because it's something I love so much. And uh, now I'm working a little bit for Hooker Harness that makes uh, aviation um, harnesses for airplanes and 
Um, I have a salon back home, so I'm a little bit of everywhere as much as I can be. What got you into aviation in the first place? I mean, it, was there somebody else in your life that had that, uh, had an aviation background and kind of um, got got you interested in it? Or, you know, at some point you, you, you showed up at an airport and said, I want to take flying lessons. Like what led up to yeah. that? Yeah. So um, about like eight years prior to that, I had taken a helicopter flight and I was kind of a dumb blonde at the time. Maybe nothing has changed. I don't know. Um, but I was doing this flight over Lake of the Ozarks in uh, Missouri. And I realized that I had never really pictured things from the air. I've, I've always pictured them, you know, from the ground and driving past things. But I, I just thought that, you know, Lake of the Ozarks was this huge lake that was round. I never thought of it having all these fingers and rivers and, you know, things that kind of went out. So after that, I was like, I want to fly helicopters. That would be so awesome. Well, then I realized quickly that, you know, helicopters are way too expensive for me to afford to be able to fly after I looked into it. And so then I put it on the back burner. I put it in my journal, my, my dreams list and said, you know, I want to fly, I want to fly someday. And, um, I revisited that a couple, you know, eight years later or whatnot. And I just wrote it down for Christmas one year. And then I guess fast forward to May, um, I saw that one of my friends, my dad's friends was getting his pilot's license in St. Louis area. and. So I was like, Hey, I want to check it out. But I, I kind of said, does your, does your school have helicopters as well as fixed wing airplanes? And he's like, no, you don't want to fly helicopters. So of course he <laughs> took me on a flight in his 150, and the, last, was, the right. rest was kind of history because that was a Friday afternoon. I went flying with him and, uh, I signed up for lessons on Monday and that's all she wrote. I love that. That's very yeah. cool. Which yeah. is interesting because that's a little bit like me. Um, not exactly, but Dave, you've always been kind of bewildered that I never really had anybody in my family or friends growing up that flew or pushed me to do it or anything like that. I just thought it'd be a great way to get from point A to point B without driving. You know, yeah. you know, growing up originally in South Florida, um, you know, and now being in Tennessee, kind of in the middle of my family and her family, um, you know, being able to travel you know, a nine, 10 hour drive and do it in four or five hours. Seemed like That's nice. a great yeah. idea. That makes way more sense. Yeah. And you know, I love that. And we've done a f- bunch of trips, been down to Panama city, you know, six hour drive. And we did it in two and a half and a one eighty two um, nice. with, with, with another couple. Great. Oh yeah. It was awesome. Um, that was definitely a great trip. And the one I just did recently for somebody's wedding, um, who, whose wedding was oh. that? Oh. I think we might have met at that wedding, actually. <laughs> I think we may have. I think all three of us it's, might have met at that wedding. Oh, I think we, <laughs> some more sober than others. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's very cool. Um, Natalie, what about you? How did you, because you, you've been around the aviation community for quite some time, too. Tell us a little bit about that. I have. And one of, I just want to say one of the things I love about aviation is everybody's different stories. I think it's so cool that. You know, I love hearing everyone's stories and sharing everyone's stories and just kind of um, just seeing it all come together in aviation, how that that works. But for me, my dad was a Navy pilot, and um, so I was always kind of intrigued by what it was to be a pilot because, you know, he got to travel around all these kind of cool places, and um, he'd bring me back gifts, and I thought... This seems like a really 
cool job. And he was from a small town, so he was really kind of like this hometown hero that everyone looked up to. And I thought, that's really something interesting. I'm kind of interested in that. Um, I never flew with him, but I flew with my uncle, who was a general aviation pilot, and he's flown for over 50 years. And he loved to do formation flying and aerobatic um, performances in Warbird airplanes. And I would go up with him pretty often from the time, I don't know, I was probably eight years old or something the first time I went flying with him. And from that time on, I always knew I wanted to become a pilot, at least a general aviation pilot. I didn't know that was like a career that I wanted, but I knew I wanted to fly. And um, fast forward 20-something years Later, you know, I had created this bucket list that was on my list of things I wanted to do. And finally, one day, here I am in my early 40s and decided now was the time to do it. You know, I had kids that I had been raising, had been a stay-at-home mom, and decided that I wanted to learn to fly. Now was the time. And we had the money, the time, and I was just really, really focused and excited about this kind of this new chapter in my life as my kids were getting older. It was like, okay, now I can kind of do some things that I want to do and uh, pursue some of these things. So, yeah, I started flying um, early 40s, and that was four years ago. And I've uh, got my private pilot license, got my instrument rating, commercial rating, multi-engine rating. I have my tailwheel endorsement, uh, seaplane rating, and just love it. Huh. You you don't mess around. No, <laughs> she's not bragging or anything. Gosh, I, got, I think I got mine when I was thirty six. I'm going to be fifty this year, and I'm still just got my flight review, <laughs> and I'm still yeah. waiting to get my next rating. I want yeah. to do my instrument rating. Yeah, yeah. There's something really exciting and fun and challenging about working on that next thing. You know. Well, Absolutely. I already know I want to do a seaplane rating, so I think not. This, yeah. Not 2021, but the following year after I do my instrument, I'm going to go and get a seaplane rating. Yeah, yeah, that, that was really. You fun definitely deserve experience. some fun after doing your instrument. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that, I think that and a new headset. I think I'm going to splurge on a, a new headset after I do my instrument rating. That's awesome. So I was I was watching a series by a video uh, YouTuber on some seaplane stuff. Do you know? What was interesting to me, and I, I never would have thought of this unless I'd heard it, but it makes perfect sense. Do you know who the people are that do really well with the seaplane rating? Who? The people, the people who, who never... have boating experience. Huh. Oh, if you've spent okay. a lot of time on yeah. boats and on the water, and you yeah. know how boats react to wind and currents and yeah. you know yeah. what ways they turn when you're trying to approach a dock, you'll do yeah. just fine when you have a seaplane rating. Okay, <laughs> good. <laughs> well, yeah. cool. Thanks, ladies, for uh, taking some time to kind of introduce yourselves to the audience. Um, I know I learned something, um, but we're here to hear some stories about flying. So, Alyssa, Yay. I think we're going to start with you. Uh, we would oh. love to hear your aviation story. Can you can you tell us about something? Oh, it was really hard to choose just one because there's there's a few stories um, in the 240 hours I have at this point. Um, but I think most people know what Oshkosh is and I don't think a lot of people have had the opportunity to fly into Oshkosh. Is that a band? Is it a band? Yeah. Oshkosh? 
yeah, it's it a is football team, dude. The football team, yeah. So no, um, Oshkosh, Wisconsin uh, has the world's largest air show. So inevitably, after seeing Sun and Fun as my first air show, how could I not, you know, make Oshkosh my second air show of my entire life? So um, go big really, or go home, says go I. Wow, I can't. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, and you know the crazy thing is, is I, you know, I got into aviation in May. I got my license in November. I went to my first air show in Sun and Fun, which was um, uh, what is it, April, and then um, yeah, Oshkosh in July. July. So I, I was the fresh pilot, very fresh. Um, I, I didn't think I could fly in. I I was really nervous about it. I had a friend that kind of helped me get the courage to do it. I printed out the 32 pages of notams, which scared the hell out of me. And, you know, I was, I was so excited, but very nervous. Uh, there were two bonanzas that were going to fly up together with me. Obviously they were going to get there much faster. So we planned a little stop right before Oshkosh. so we we had everything planned the week before. Um, I had just bought a um, Piper 160, a little low wing, and I bought it on Father's Day. So I had only had it about a month before Oshkosh, which is a little scary also. So um, I flew it about three hours total before I flew into Oshkosh with my own plane, which is scary. Um so I guess leading up to it, um, you know, the, the preparation that you need to take to get ready for it, all of my camping gear, um, just, just trying to figure out anything that could possibly happen and kind of, you know, visualize that beforehand. Um, so I studied, 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 and then, you know, I, I own the salon, so I worked a lot of hours right before um, getting into the crazy part of the story, I get off work on, I think we went to Oshkosh on maybe Wednesday morning. So no, it was Thursday morning. So we flew up really early Thursday morning. So this is Wednesday night. I get off work. It's about eight o'clock. I live about 45 minutes. I left the salon. I get pulled over. I wasn't doing anything wrong. I promise. And I'm like, I promise. Like I wasn't on my phone. I wasn't speeding. Nothing get pulled over. The cop um, tells me to pull into this parking lot, which uh, that's weird. So I pull into this parking lot and he's like, do you realize what's why I'm pulling you over? And I said, no. And um, apparently Illinois has this thing that you're supposed to fill out this uh, postcard and tell them that you have insurance, you know, and just validate that. Well, I didn't do it. And uh, so he took the plates off my car and I had to tow my car. Um, Not you know, I was on my way home. I had to get up at two o'clock in the morning to leave my house, to get to the airport, to leave in time, to get the plane, to fly to Oshkosh, which is about three hours from home in the plane and debrief or to brief before we flew in to be at the airspace right when it opened. That way it wasn't as crowded. So, you know, getting pulled over kind of threw a wrench into things. Um, got picked up by my mom. She drove me home. I used another vehicle, loaded the vehicle when I got home, slept about an hour, drove to the airport in St. Louis that um, I kept my airplane at and pulled it out of the hangar, uh, packed everything in, 
I had a guy that was my co-pilot of the flight, which is my buddy's friend or my, my buddy's dad, I guess. And we loaded the plane up and, uh, I stepped off the wing and I don't know if you're familiar with low wing, uh, airplanes, but there's a little step that's like just a little stick that comes out. And then there's the wing. I stepped between the two and fell off the plane and oh, <laughs> oh my gosh, I can, I can only imagine it's yeah. And, uh, so I had uh, sandpaper from my ankle to my knee. Um, and I was just thankful that I didn't break it the opposite way that it should be going. Um, so then, you know, I'm good. I get collected. We button everything up at the airport. We jump in the plane, um, go to start the airplane. The plane doesn't start. Uh, so we had to hand prop the airplane. What? You've flown this thing for three weeks or for three three, hours hours. and you're hand propping it? Hand propping it. Yes, it's happening. Um, (laughs) Let let me keep this in the back of your head that I only had 87 hours when I left the airport that morning to fly to Oshkosh. Three hours in my own plane, pulled over the night before, a couple hours of sleep. It was kind of, things were loading up on me. Thankfully, I had somebody in my right seat. So I felt a little more comfortable, but had it just been myself, I would have gave up and went home. So we push up to, I think it was Bloomington, Wisconsin, might be just south of Oshkosh. We brief with the other two Bonanzas. Um, I'm going to be the leader of three in a formation. And we are, you know, doing what we're supposed to do. We're waiting for the... uh, the radios to click in for the morning. And so then we start to fly um, to, I think it's Ripon, and then you fly over Fisk. And um, so we, so we started this process. I was in the lead. No, I was, I was second getting ready to enter into Fisk. And I hit my buddy in the banana, the first Bonanza's wake. And so my plane gets rocked and I literally never, felt that in my life. And I decided at that point, I didn't want to fly the plane anymore. So I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. The guy that was with me was like, Nope, you're flying it. You can't, you can't wimp out at this point. You're going in, you're fine. We recovered it. It's good. So then I was panicked that I was still following the Bonanza and worried about that. So I was trying to stay above and above them. So we hit fist. I get to rock my wings. I was never so excited to do that. We followed um, the approach for 3-6 right, which if you know anything about Oshkosh, it is the taxiway that they make into a runway for the week. Um, I think it was the green dot, which might have been the first one that I got to land on. And I landed just beyond it, maybe about a foot. But uh, the pressure was relieved when I hit the runway and they said, welcome to Osh and proceed to the end of the runway. And And that was um, quite the adventure. I didn't die. So that was all I was (laughs) excited to to get through all of that. And we got to park. And um, yeah, it was was a really great trip. I got to um, see my first um, night show because I don't think we got to see one at Sun and Fun. And, you know, it's just um, Oshkosh is a different place and definitely getting to fly in there. I think not knowing was probably the best option for me is to not have seen Oshkosh and its massiveness before I went in. Um, cause I don't think I would have done it <laughs> had I known that it was that massive. So 
Yeah. Well, they get about 200,000 people uh, each year annually at Sun and Fun. And this year in 2019, uh, this past year in 2019, uh, Oshkosh had 610. So yeah. more than three times the number of people. Yeah. yeah and I think um, the uh, airplanes that they had there was like uh, 20,000 or something. Uh, it's about 10, about 10,000 10. airplanes. Okay. Yeah. 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 And it's, but I mean, that's so many airplanes. And yeah. They do more operations uh, per day than Atlanta, and they do it in between the hours of like eight a.m. and eight p.m. or something like. <laughs> and they close it down for air shows. And, yeah, they sure yeah, do. Yeah, so. insane. Absolutely, yeah, it's, a, it's an incredible thing. Um, so wow, what a story! Um, <laughs> uh, I, I'm glad that you, you know, had the forethought to. If I was doing this by myself, I would just call it yeah. quits and try it another time. I definitely I wouldn't have recommended it. And looking back, it's a little bit scary. Um, but I'm, I'm glad that everything unfolded the way it did and that I've learned from it. And yeah, I definitely wouldn't have flown that. And I would never fly into Osh probably alone. You definitely want to have somebody looking outside the cockpit while you can fly um, and do everything safely. So yeah. I've I've flown into Osh a couple times, never as pilot in command, um, but as passengers, and it's it's an adventure every time. Um, yeah, and you're right; it does help to have that extra set of eyes. At what point do you think, like, well, how much more would it have taken for you to be like, I'm out? You know, I'm I, this is too much. Uh, and you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but you know, like. What is the one extra thing that might have thrown you over and said, "You know what? I'm done. I'm, this is not safe. I'm not. It's yeah. beyond my capacity. What am I? I'm, I'm out." Yeah. So um, I guess I left a little part out too. That so I was the bonanzas were kind of sandwiching me in. So I felt a little bit comfortable, more comfortable, just following somebody and not being the first one, you know, in line, so to speak. But um, I was really thankful. Um, of that, but at one point, the 172 in front of the Bonanza was too slow, so it was overcrowding the line. So they told the Bonanza in front of me to actually go into a hold over this lake. And you know, as much as I had prepped for that and prepped for all of these things to go differently, had they told me that I needed to go into holding pattern, I would have either asked for them not to put me in holding and put somebody else in holding, or I would have just been like, we're going to divert to another airport because that would have been the last straw. I mean, I was so shaken up from the wake and just really, really anxious. And, you know, airplanes were starting to funnel into the airport and it just, it just started to kind of, you know, heighten everything. And yeah, so it, it was definitely something that I'll never forget. And, you definitely need to make sure it's within your capabilities and that you have someone to help you if if that weren't. I've never thought about it from this angle, um, but isn't it interesting how Oshkosh can easily be divided up into three um, like segments? Like getting there is like a lifetime of work, and then it's when an you're adventure. finally parked. That ends, and then yeah. you move on to enjoying Oshkosh, and that's a lifetime of adventure all into itself, <laughs> yes. right? Yeah. And yeah. then that ends, and you have to get home. Yeah. 
and getting out of there is just as much an adventure. You think, oh, taking off and, you know, and getting out of the airspace. But then all of a sudden it's IFR or um, you're in a conga line waiting to take off. And I actually got stuck behind a citation jet and I was so worried they were just going to like blast me or, you know, and we were just like in this waiting. It was just insane how they were taking people off. And, you know, it's, you know, and you burn half a tank of fuel waiting in line. And where are you going? You need to change your airports that you need to fly to. Actually, on the way home, we ran into, you know, low ceilings. And that was the first time I had really pushed it. And uh, thankfully, the pilot that was with me was IFR rated, but I had never flown that. So we were we were at, you know, 1,200 feet flying home the whole way. Um, and we actually had to stop twice to wait for some weather to go through in different places just to make it home. So... It's, I'm glad it's you had somebody. An adventure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm glad you had somebody that was instrument rated with the. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, that's a, I wouldn't that's a huge have done deal. it had that not been the case. And he had been to Oshkosh, you know, to EAA for many, many years. And, you know, so I felt very comfortable. That was my next question. Has, has he been there before? That's always a big thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I would never, I wouldn't want to fly in there unless, I wouldn't want to fly in unless I did, <laughs> unless someone was Absolutely. playing with me. Yeah. And I've flown yeah. in, um, fly in the in the right seat as a you know as a passenger a number of times. I'm I'm still not a certificated private pilot, but I've done yeah. it a number of times, and it's uh it's it's an adventure, and it really helps if your if your right seater knows the notum inside and out too. So. Absolutely, oh, yeah. cool. I would definitely have them brief the notum, and kind of we stopped at an airport to brief before we went in, so that everybody's on the same page. We know what we're doing. We're not trying to figure it out on the go, you know, um, it's hard enough to do, you know, work inside the cockpit, let alone look outside, see what every other airplane is doing around you and, you know, try to manage everything. If something changes. Yep. I don't know why that's, that's one thing that has not been on my bucket list. I don't know why everybody, I don't think, um, I'm not saying I'd never do it again, but I don't think that it's going to be, as coveted of a thing that I have to do. It's epic. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. I I would like to once, um, at least once, but the thing about it is, you know, it's hard for me because I've got so much, you know, camping gear and... Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd have to have like a bonanza caravan. or a caravan to, <laughs> to make a trip like that. You know? If you want to take the so. caravan on Amphibs, I would gladly go. Uh, that would be such a fun uh, trip up and down. Yeah, I would. I would. The only. The only. Um, if I was coming up in a caravan on floats, the only hard surface runway I would land at would be at Oshkosh, and I may not yeah. even do that. I may park over at Seaplane Base. Absolutely. Or just laying in the grass. Yeah. The seaplane base is the best thing about Oshkosh, so. I have yeah. still never been there. It's a, it's a different, I know. Sh- it's a completely different show. I need it, to go. It doesn't, it is nothing at all like AirVenture. It is, I mean, it is, yeah. it is a completely different event. And so if you go over there, just kind of expect to be in this place that, it almost lets you down. It's so chill. And and if you're prepared so for chill. that, you just go over there and you're just like, I can just come out here and chill. It's so, yeah. it, like, My it's amazing. My plan was to camp out there this year because 
I just can't even fathom it being quiet in the mornings. <laughs> yeah. So oh, I think no. that's... Those yodelers and everything else. <laughs> yeah. I was on the flight line this year and it was this past year and flight line, yodelers, T6s repeatedly oh, taking God. off. You're not going to sleep in. That's the, that's the greatest sound in the morning, though, is it, those T6s taking off for Aeroshell when they do their it flights. It was for day one through three. <laughs> <laughs> After that, you're kind of like, okay, guys, enough. I, this is enough. Um, Alyssa needs her sleep. She has to work today. She has to entertain at night. You know, so, yep. <laughs> So that's looking funny. back on it, uh, th- and that's the one and only time you've ever flown into Osh, correct? I flew into Osh the first year. Last year, I was supposed to do the um, the air race, and we had some problems with the airplane, so I just ended up driving in with a hooker harness. So yeah, okay. that was my only time I've flown in. So looking back on it now, um, especially with the number of hours you have and the extra experience you have and the ex- experience you have like with your airplane, what would you do differently Oh, to fly in. Um, I probably wouldn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> wouldn't you know, do I anything somebody, differently or wouldn't fly in at all? I wouldn't fly in unless... Um, I do have a friend that is from Austria that wants to fly in. So, of course, if he came and wanted to do it, I would definitely... We're, you know, he's a pilot as well, and that's how we met. So, I would definitely entertain the idea to fly up. Um but, you know, you have to consider the weather. You have to consider um, camping, like what you're doing, what your plan is. You have to have backups and then backups for the backups. And, you know, you really can't be in a rush to get there or back. And that's just, you know, the whole adventure of flying. It's you can't be in a rush. And mm-hmm. um, so it's just looking at it, I I would do it again, but it would take a lot of prep and um, just practice, you know, doing everything at home that you can to prepare yourself to fly in. Um, Did you think that you maybe were not as prepared as you could have been? Absolutely not. I mean, had I known it was that massive, I didn't even know what, you know, (laughs) Oshkosh or EAA was. Like, all I knew, it it was a big air show. And I just kind of made it to, I made myself think that it was like sun and fun. And I flew with some friends in a bonanza to sun and fun and we, it was, you know, flawless because he's such a good pilot and there was four pilots in one plane. So we were all <laughs> helping each other look for planes and do all of these things. And we went camping and it was great. So, I mean, they did it. So why can't I do it? And I, I believe that anybody can truly do it. It's just, you know, being smart and, you know, I probably, should have not worked the night before, not gotten pulled over, not hand propped the plane, not fallen off the wing. You know, there's there's many things that I shouldn't have done. There were signs. There were a lot of signs. I'm like, maybe it was not meant to be. But honestly, I mean, that Oshkosh was the turning point of I would I wouldn't say my career in aviation, but definitely my um my connection to aviation, I didn't really know any pilots until Oshkosh. I, you know, I had three or four friends from my local airport and, and then I ended up meeting Dion Mitten at, um, Oshkosh midweek. And, uh, that kind of started this whole social media 
being involved in aviation and meeting Hooker Harness and then starting to work for them. So it was a life changer for sure. That's cool. Yeah. Oshkosh, Sun and Fun, um, you know, all those kinds of events like that, especially when you're at an event where you stay overnight. Like I've never been to Triple Tree, but it's on my list. Uh It's beautiful. Those kinds of events are just a shot in the arm. Just like it just gives you that boost that kind of gets you through. And so like I'm looking at Sun and Fun being canceled this year because of because of COVID, and now and now we've gotten word that Air Ventures canceled too, and it's just like, ugh, what are we gonna do? Yeah. So it might be a triple tree year for me, um, for me and Beth, because we just really want to go and you know enjoy our aviation airplanes. family, right? And yeah. the airplanes yeah. and the oh, family. Yeah, the family. Yeah, 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 we'll we'll watch you too. We'll come see you too. We'll come see you. That, oh, yeah, nice. so. <laughs> yeah, that sounds just like a riot. Well, thanks so much, Alyssa, for sharing that story. Yeah, That's really cool. For- um, I'm glad it worked out. And man, just it's like it's like Mike said. There were signs. You'll see. Yeah, <laughs> there were so many signs. And actually, and I would definitely, if you see those signs, turn around. Do not push <laughs> it. And you know, you it could have had crazy outcome, crazy bad outcome. So you know, it's now seeing you know aviation accidents and all of these things. I definitely. Um, take it a little bit more calculated risks, you know? It's funny. We've had a lot of people that we've talked to already on the show that have talked about flights where hindsight it would be like, I, I wouldn't have gone. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, there was a few of them that, you know, we kind of took a break real quick and I couldn't wait to get back to see if she lived, you know? It's yeah. even though she was talking to her, but yeah. um, some, some, <laughs> definitely you, some. Did you make it? Did you? Hope, <laughs> did you survive God, the tell me you survived. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's. I mean, some of these decisions are. You know, it's. You know, I mean, the for the first time you make them, it's you're not thinking about it until you go back and think think them through. And you're like, even had deeper. I thought this? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I, I lied. I have been, been to Oshkosh when I worked up in Sheboygan for a year. Uh, I did take a plane and brought a friend of mine, his daughter. She came up, met me. We flew over to Oshkosh, met up with a friend of ours who was volunteering at the EAA hangar and took us to lunch at Artie and Ed's and then drove back and flew over. That was like in May or June, like last May, two, two Mays ago, a May and a half. So, May and a half. Two Mays May ago. and a half. <laughs> two Mays. <laughs> well, two cool. That's a that's that's a pretty awesome story. Do you still have the one sixty? No, I sold it. Um, I had a partner in that. I sold it. Um, that's another whole story. Um, <laughs> we don't have time for that tonight. <laughs> but we'll do a part two. Maybe down the road. maybe uh-huh. some cocktails on the beach in Florida, and we'll, there we go. we'll have that We're discussion. Sounds yeah, great. And so I joined a club. So yeah, perfect. What are you flying yeah. now in the club? Um, I have two archers, a 172 and a Cherokee six. Um, I actually am thinking about, um, resigning from the club and maybe, um, I have a friend that does some rental with a Cirrus and, um, maybe getting some glass panel work and do my instrument and things. We'll see. Nice. You're not going to go wrong in a Cirrus. And I happen to really like a Cherokee six. That's just a cool airplane. Yeah, Yeah, they are cool. I love the Archer. Our club had an Archer. And I was so, I was the only person that was like kicking and screaming, not for them not to sell it. Archers are my favorite. I love traveling in that plane. That was a great travel plane. Yeah. I mean, not like a Cherokee six, but for my wife and I in bags for a weekend. Oh, yeah. Well, the Cherokee six is a fuel guzzler too. So 
I mean, yeah. the Archer is perfect for a couple people and bags, you know. So yeah, it'll fly. It'll fly the doors off at one seventy-two. Yeah, absolutely. So. Nice. Low wing girls. Yeah. See, I'm a high wing guy, but I did dig the Archer. Until really we get tailwheel, like and then we're like, oh, then we're high yeah. wheel. <laughs> <laughs> True. Unless it's an RV tailwheel that's, you know. I mean, uh, we're just airplane yeah. girls, I think. And now you got low wing <laughs> tailwheel. Yeah. So, Natalie, tell us about uh, tell us about one of your logbook memories. Um, so, yeah, I, mean, I've, I had many as well, and um, but I think I did sort of pick my favorite because it was... It was such, it was a long journey, and it was with my uncle, actually, that um, really kind of made it special. Um, We, so it's really, it's not just a single flight, which is hard. It was a trip, a cross-country trip that we planned with some other friends of ours that, and actually they weren't really, really close friends. It was someone that actually introduced himself on Facebook to me and invited me on this journey with him and one of his buddies. And I had been fairly new pilot, but I really wanted to to get out and wanted, really wanted to push myself and um, do some some flying that I hadn't experienced before. And they were, had planned this trip all the way out to um, Arizona and back. And uh, it included a couple of days in Colorado Springs where we were going to be doing some mountain flying. And we each had our own airplanes. Uh, they were actually from Chicago, and they had a Cirrus. And then I had my own airplane, which is a Piper Archer, like we were talking about, which I love that plane. Uh, and so I picked up my uncle in Nashville, Tennessee, which is where I spent most of my life. And um, we started our journey, um, went to Kansas City. We went, um, you know, all the way out to Colorado Springs, stayed there a couple of days. We did this really cool flight um, course, mountain flying, and my instructor happened to be um, an RAF, a retired RAF pilot. So he had this British accent, and it was neat to experience the mountain um, wave turbulence that you hear about, the updrafts and the downdrafts, and to be around those beautiful, you know, mountains. And we landed at the highest elevation airport in the country at Leadville, Colorado. And it was just um, the beautiful scenery. And then having my uncle make that journey with me as well was special to me because I'd done so much flying with him as the pilot, and this time I was the pilot. He was the co-pilot. And it was a real learning experience for me. I, I had not had my instrument writing at that point, and it was, you know, my first real in-depth cross-country trip where I'm analyzing, you know, the courses, the weather, and all these different um, locations that I've never been to before, all these different airports, and dealing with the different terrain, you know, once we got out to Arizona, we, I mean, we flew through Monument Valley in Utah, which was amazing. We landed at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. We, um, you know, all this experience and all these different locations and airports, I learned a great deal about the different weather all across the country and the winds, you know, when we were going through, like, coming back on the way home through Texas and Oklahoma, 
it was so windy. You know, when I, I thought crosswinds in Ohio were difficult to deal with. And if we had like a 15 knot crosswind in Ohio, I'd be like, uh, no way, I'm not doing that. Well, I mean, they, they're gusts in Oklahoma and Texas. It was just windy all the time. There was no, you had to land. You know, and it it really was all about picking an airport where you had the least amount of crosswind. Um, but they, it was just dealing with that taught me a lot about being a lot more confident with dealing with the different wind conditions that I had been used to and really seeing what I was capable of and making the airplane do what I wanted it to do. We dealt a lot with the high-density altitude when we were in Colorado and in Arizona and learning what that was about, you know, leaning out the mixtures and um, really working on the weight and balance. Just this real practical kinds of hands-on experiences, and I got to learn from my uncle who had done flying for over 50 years about how he, you know, would, would approach things and how his thought process was so that once that trip was done, which was a 10-day adventure, I felt like I had a ton of experience that a lot of pilots didn't have. I probably had maybe less than 300 hours at that point, and now I've got nearly 800, and that just really gave me a lot of confidence to plan a lot of cross-country trips on my own and feel confident in my abilities to be able to handle it and you know, just sign up for new adventures. Uh, that was definitely an epic, uh, memorable trip. And now my uncle just retired from flying this, this past year, and I'm really glad that I got to experience that with him. That's amazing. What a cool story. Yeah. Um, how does that how does that conversation go? So, you know, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna go up and, you know, do some some air work and some pattern work, I can basically peek my head outside and, you know, use the Mark one eyeball, which I think is the best weather forecaster on the planet and, you know, see, is it, is it good? Yep. I can go fly, you know, creep like the airplane and you go, but you're talking about this epic trip across the country. You know, how did that conversation start with your uncle? Hey, do you want to go do this thing with me? And then once you decided to go, what was the planning like before you even set foot at the airport? Well, okay, so the, the the guys that invited us were, and it was just someone that, you know, was a, a kind of a Facebook friend. I didn't know him that well. He had planned the trip and had wanted to just have someone else to go just so when we were at an airport or a city that we could enjoy the town together and, um, have someone to hang out with and we actually wound up you know sometimes switching planes so I was able to experience flying that hit their Cirrus as as well which was cool um so they had pretty much planned out where they wanted to go you know he reached out to me he knew there was a new pilot he could tell that I was really excited and, and probably you know pretty adventuresome and ready to, to try new things and he reached out and invited me and and I knew I didn't want to go by myself. I mean, I could have, but I didn't feel confident enough to do that. So I just texted my uncle. I was like, hey, I got invited on this trip. Would you want to go? Here are the dates. And really, I was pretty surprised that the dates worked for me and for my uncle as well. 
uh, you know, that's pretty rare when you're trying to organize kind of a small group. That figuring out the right dates is one of the biggest hurdles <laughs> to overcome. For sure, for sure. <laughs> um, so they had kind of mapped out a course, and he'd send it to me. And it's like, this is what we we're thinking. What What do you think um, about these stops along the way? I think, you know, like we stopped in Jefferson City and then Kansas City and then all the way to Colorado Springs, and then we wanted to go through Monument Valley in Utah, and we wanted to land at the bottom of the Grand Canyon, and, and we pretty much went back, our loop back from Sedona, Arizona, was um, coming back through kind of the lower part of the country, you know, through um, New Mexico and uh, Texas and Oklahoma, back up through Arkansas. Um, so they had... You know, and we had discussed, okay, this is how far my plane can go. This is how far yours can go before it needs to refuel. So our stops need to be, you know, about this far apart. And um, my uncle was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. You know, he's retired. He was fine. He had plenty of time and um, was willing to, to really help me. I think he, was, he knew he was coming along to help me and teach me that this was going to be a learning process for me. So, yeah, I mean, we just plotted it out and had the plan. Of course, you always have to be flexible with the weather and everything. And knowing there was not going to be a set date when you had to be back. We had to have flexibility because we knew there would likely be weather delays or something, especially since I was only a VFR pilot. Then that had to kind of be, you know... Um, you know, like put into the whole equation there that that was a possibility. So we had built in some extra days for that, and we did. There were places where we weren't able to 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 leave, like when we wanted to, we had to stay an extra night in a couple of places. But um, you know, that's all part of the learning experience and being able to overcome that kind of get there itis and being patient, and that is uh, crucial for pilots. Tell me a little bit about. Um, personal minimums. Uh, one of the one of the podcasts I love to listen to is uh, the the uh, Fly Maui podcast with uh, my friends John and Leslie Cobble, and they they lived in Arkansas for uh, years, had a flight school out there, and then they got the opportunity to move out to uh, Maui, and they had personal minimums at the time that were if we have a crosswind of. Uh, if the winds are above 15 knots, we just don't fly. So they get out to they get out to Maui and they go to Kahului Airport and they're like, "Yeah, here's our personal minimums. If it's 15 knots, we don't cr- we don't fly." And they said, "It doesn't get below 20." You'll be able to you'll be able to fly about two days a year. So oh they had to gosh. learn yeah. to deal because they get crazy crosswinds out there in Maui. I bet. And so I'm listening to you tell the story about you know trying to plan around airports that had, you know, the best winds and favorable conditions. How did your personal minimums change? And and they should with experience, yeah. I believe. How did yeah. your personal minimums change throughout this trip if they did it all? Oh, they totally did, for sure. Um, you know, probably, now I'm just guessing when I left Cincinnati, um, if, if, there, if there was a 10-knot crosswind, I was pretty nervous about it. Um, but... I think having my uncle with me really helped me kind of 
push myself out of my comfort zone in a safe way because he had, I mean, he's flown, you know, all kinds of airplanes. I think he had like probably about four to five forced landings in his life and um, he ferried Four planes. Four or five and, forced landings in his yes. life? That's crazy. Yes, yeah. Can we get him on the podcast? Yeah, we, yeah who's next? <laughs> Walked away from everyone of them like unscathed. Yeah. Um, nothing really scares him, but knowing that he was always there and ready to take over if, if I just couldn't handle it, you know, because he, I knew that he could. And um, he's used to flying, you know, these super fast, like, Warbird machines that and mine was definitely nowhere up to quite that level. So he would just coach me through it. Like if we were landing at um, an airport that I was like, I'd see the tap or something I'm like, oh, this is really windy. I don't know about this. He's like, oh, yeah, you can handle it. You can handle it. I'll be right there with you. And he would tell me what to do, you know, turn into the crosswind. Now you need to use your rudder a little bit and just in a pretty calm fashion and because I'm familiar with him I wasn't really super intimidated by him so I knew I could just take instruction from him without taking it personally or getting um uh, you know offended or whatever I just listened to what he said and did what he said and each time I just got more and more you know I'd land I was like okay that wasn't so bad that wasn't too bad and I did that so Okay, I know that I can handle this amount of crosswind. So when I see that again, then that's fine. And um, I know I can do it. So it just, as the trip went on, yeah, you just learn that, um, well, I know I can do it because I just did it yesterday. So if you have that confidence, then you're not as scared, you know, each time you do it. And when I got back to Cincinnati, I was like, Psh, I can totally do 10 knots. I mean, geez, what else you got here? <laughs> Nice. <laughs> and I'm and I'm guessing that at the end of that trip, you probably got as much experience and learned as much as you did in your entire forty hours of private pilot training. Absolutely. Because now you're oh, yeah. mission based and you have to get it. It's got to work. Like you, yeah. it's on you. Right. Yeah. And you know, my uncle was always just like, "Look, you make the plane. What you do, what you want it to do." And don't let the plane have control over you. You have control over the airplane. And, you know, he was right. And just that. And, you know, one of the other things that I learned from him was, like, he doesn't use flight. He uses paper charts. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So we would, uh, I mean, I think he woke up every morning, I don't know, 3 a.m. or something. He's a very early riser. <laughs> And he would have his paper charts spread out all over the hotel bed and his, like, his ruler making these straight lines. And, oh, my gosh. And I'm like, you know, Robert, we don't have to do it like this anymore. We have this. He's like, no, no, we're going to do it like this. And I'm going to show you what, how we're going to do it's it good here. good to have. <laughs> and it was good, actually. You know, I really learned what his thought process was. And I would just put it into my foreflight, you know. But it was good to see <laughs> kind of what he was thinking, how he was thinking it through. And then I could just kind of overlay that, and not really overlay it, but copy what he'd done on the paper charts on my mm -hmm. four flight. So. I want to go flying with him. That sounds yeah. awesome. <laughs> that is yeah. a riot. Yeah. The you know, one of the interesting things about him is he uh, learned to fly um, because of the GI Bill. He um, went through flight training using that money, and he taught himself how to do aerobatics. 
hmm. just by reading. And he reads all the time. He doesn't watch TV, but he reads and he teaches himself things. And um, yeah, and then he became one of the best um, known yak mechanics and worked on yaks for years and years and years. And he'd go pick up yaks and deliver yaks, and um, that was kind of his forte. Yak, huh. uh, what, yak, yak 52s, yak 55s? Yes. Mm-hmm. 52s. Nice. Mm-hmm. nice, very cool. What was, uh, what was your most memorable moment on this trip? Um, oh, gosh. Waking up at 3 a.m. with paper charts <laughs> around her. Oh, hey, hey. After that first night, I was like, uh, we're sleeping in separate rooms. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I get up um but I guess I would say probably the whole mountain flying um course we had a full day of that and being with the RAF pilot um was interesting he was a funny British guy and so relaxed and I was just white knuckling because you're 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 next to these huge mountains and you're, you experience these updrafts where all of a sudden you get an updraft and you shoot up, you know, a thousand feet in like an instant. And you really have very little control over that. And then you get these downdrafts where it pushes you down. You've got these mountains on every side of you and it's, it's scary. Um, but kind of knowing what that really feels like is very different than reading about it. Um, and at first, I was like, this was the stupidest idea I've ever had. I'm going to lay the right now. I'm going to die. I'm not going to make it back. <laughs> and the whole time, this guy's sitting next to me with his arms crossed, and he's laughing at me. And I'm, I mean, I'm losing the feeling in my hands, gripping the gun. <laughs> and he's like, oh, no, you're, you're doing just fine. You're doing just fine. And um, was that his accent? Yeah. That is a great British accent. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The whole time. And even when we took off from Leadville, it was funny because he was with me. And it's really hard to, at that uh, altitude, you really, and that was another experience. You know, you read about it and how your, your airplane just won't perform that well. My airplane would not get off the runway. And I was panicking because at the end of the runway, it's a drop-off. And um, I was like, oh, my gosh, we're not going to get off. It just rolls and rolls and rolls and rolls. Well, the the instructor looks down. He's like, you got your nose trim, like, all the way down. We're never going to get off. And he's just very calmly telling me this as I'm strolling down the hmm. runway. I'm like, uh, okay. So I start doing the nose up. And thank goodness we got off. But he wasn't even, like... Worried about it, I guess. He was, if it if he was really worried, I guess he would take over. But um, he's like, you know, your nose trim is is down. And you need to raise that up a little bit. And it's like, oh my gosh, you missed Finally. that on the checklist. Yeah, were you, yeah. Were you leaned out pretty heavily on that? Yes. It's like that airport's what ninety four hundred feet. Something like that. Yeah, I don't even 90, remember. 90, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Cool. Ninety nine hundred feet is what it says. I guess. Yeah. Jeez, that's incredible. Well, cool. Well, awesome. Thanks so much for sharing that story. That sounds like yeah. a 
an amazing adventure. Like I, I want to get my private pilot certificate and get instrument rated. And I just want to start going on adventures. And I, you know, I want to start by going to like, you know, the Bahamas, which is a super yeah. easy flight from here, but start you know, with going to Orlando first. I mean, yeah, just Orlando's <laughs> good. Yeah. Get the license, <laughs> do a cross country oh. solo. But the, but the idea is I, I want to have an airplane to, to take me places. And yeah. Yeah. it sounds like you did that and, and with pretty amazing success. So that's awesome. I love that story. It, it was really fun. I guess, you know, what I want to say is you don't, like I was just a VFR pilot at that point. I didn't have an instrument rating and you can totally do it as a VFR pilot. You don't have to have all this experience and all these hours and all these ratings and um, you know, just start out. I mean, that was a that was a great experience being able to do that as a VFR pilot. Is is that probably the biggest lesson you learned on this trip, or was there something else? Hmm. Oh, I learned so much. It's so hard to to really pinpoint. I think you know one of the things that uh, Alyssa and I have even talked about. Um, uh, one of the women that I had listened to from Women and Women in Aviation Conference at one point had said, you know, you're not just a private pilot. When so many times people, you know, say, oh, I fly for Delta Airlines or whatever, and what do you fly or who do you fly for? And I'm like, well, I'm just a private pilot. And it's like, that's not just, you know, one of those things that you need to have just in front of. That's a pretty big deal. And look at what I did, you know, how far I went and everything that I experienced that um, as, quote, unquote, just a private pilot, you get to do some pretty cool things. Yeah, don't make light of this right. gift you've, you've, yeah. you've got. That's that's really good because I, I, I would say the same thing. Um, in your shoes, I would be like, I'm just a private pilot. I do it all so, the time. Yeah. yeah. People say that all the time. I know. Yes. It's so bizarre right, right. that we do that. We're kind of like... We're single-engine gonna... bug smashers, I say. I just fly a little single-engine bug smashers. Yeah. <laughs> Which is quite a feat, you know? Yeah. There aren't many people that do that. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Ladies, thanks so much for taking some time to talk to us here on Logbook Memories. This has been a lot of fun. Awesome. Um, as we alluded to earlier in the show, you, you host a podcast called Cockpits and Cocktails. Would you tell us a little bit about that show? Uh, yeah, so um, this kind of started because, you know, with Fly Girl, which is, um, I have a Fly Girl LLC, and then the Fly Foundation was a company that I started soon as I kind of got into flying. I wanted to be able to um, have some awareness out there for women to get involved and kind of encourage them to challenge themselves and pursue, you know, aviation possibly. Um, and I had done some interviews with some some girls, and Alyssa was one of them. And I flown to St. Louis in my little plane, and we had some champagne at an FBO there, right? Yeah. And I interviewed her, and we videoed it, and I was like, I'm going to call this Cockpits and Cocktails. And um, it kind of stuck, and when we decided to kind of do the podcast, we threw out some other names, and... We all kind of liked cockpits and cocktails, didn't we? Yeah, so kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's got a nice ring to it. It's a mouthful sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I say it. Dep- depends on yeah. depends on how many cocktails. That's true. Absolutely. 
Yeah, we kind of wanted it to be um, a podcast about our experience and all the things in aviation that, that you can do, not just, you know, the airline route, but all these air shows and things like that you can be involved in and to hopefully tell some stories of some of the other women involved in aviation. Well, it it it's interesting to me because of the, the guests you've had on. Um, they tell They're some amazing. great stories. Yeah, it's Thank a lot you. of fun. So. Um, if you yeah, we like to keep it kind of diverse and just kind of show light to all different forms of careers in aviation, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Well, when I saw you guys start posting about it on the, on the gram, I was like Insta subscribe and I'm really glad I did. <laughs> so I uh, highly recommend anybody who's listening to this podcast, go check out cockpits and cocktails. Can you tell people where to find the podcast? Um, well, first of all, thank you for saying that. Um, you can find it on Apple um, Podcast. You can also you can find, find it on any podcast. Yeah, streams. I think any of the yeah. podcast. Um, what do you call them? Not suppliers. Podcast. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, they got like Podbean. There's a couple of other ones um, that you can find it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, we'll link it up in the show notes too. So, thank Good you. Good stuff. Uh, who's who's the guest that you've already recorded that we haven't heard yet? Who's the one? Um, we have a couple, actually. We have uh, Wings of Hope when we visited mm-hmm. in St. Louis. Nice. We have um, One Plain Jane that we visited when we were in Atlanta. Christine's um, great, isn't she? Yeah, she's wonderful. And it's been kind of weird because we, we did like a slew of things during COVID and we talked about it and... Now I'm kind of over talking about it, so right, yeah, I'm we tracking. needed to kind of um, <laughs> yeah, we needed to like scoot through those and put them out beforehand, and then we're going back now to mm-hmm. those others that aren't so time sensitive. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, we have a few in the in the queue, and and we have a few that you and I have done when I visited St. Louis that we yeah. have. Um, Put, put together because Alyssa and I like to sit down and talk aviation a lot. <laughs> Maybe a future. <laughs> so we you, can probably you recently come had up the first female Thunderbird <clears throat> yeah. pilot, which was cool. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Nicole yeah. was amazing. Yeah, that was, that I haven't listened to that people. episode yet. I can't wait to. Her story is just like literally will make your hair on your arm stand up. It's just incredible, really? and she's such an incredible person. So. Yeah, I'm she excited. Dealt with some things that I really didn't know the full story of, um, and it was kind of surprising and shocking a little bit. Yeah, well, that'll be interesting to listen to. Yeah, I'm excited to hear that one. Yeah. All right, who's the dream guest? Who Who's the one guest that you're like, we're never going to get this girl on, but we're going to try our darndest? And what person? Who is, who, who's the Who's the one? The The Holy Grail. Well, I never I'm say never. Anything's never say possible. Never. Anything is possible. Good. But the first thing I thought about today, I did a TikTok and it's kind of funny, but the first thing I thought about was I want to have a, someone who's been in space. So there was just a girl Mm -hmm. that was in the, on the international space station and did a bunch of videos and blogs and things. And um, I can't remember her name right now. But we I just thought I believe that would be the coolest guest ever. Yeah, just to get that different perspective. Yeah, there was a whole department at NASA that allows you to do that. You can do send PR requests to through NASA to the astronaut. I'll probably just go <clears throat> knock on their front door. <laughs> well, we could do that too. Yeah. If that works. That would probably work pretty well. They'd actually. love that. 
I mean, I've been, my, mine, mine would be Jimmy Buffett, but I, I just can't seem to go knock on his door. Well, Is he not returning your calls? <laughs> don't the, do- the dogs don't get me. Up. The police come. It's, yeah, I would. I mean, I'd love to have uh, probably Patty Wagstaff on and talk to her. She um, would do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. Cool. She yeah, would do it, and I've I've interviewed her on my YouTube channel. She will she will talk to you in a heartbeat. Oh, that'd be awesome. She is super fun. Yeah, awesome. very nice. Good. Well, we'll be uh, calling her up. Say, hey, Dave said that we could call you. <laughs> David <laughs> Allen of Other People's Airplanes <laughs> said you could do this. Yes, she yeah. would do it. Yeah. <laughs> she's not far from me. She lives in she's in St. Augustine. She's okay. actually very um, she's. Pretty active on Twitter, and she follows me yeah. on Twitter, and is really yeah. supportive of, of the posts and things that, that I make. So I feel like we're besties. Yeah, well, you <laughs> are. I, I, I feel like you're besties post. too. <laughs> yeah. If only in my mind, we're besties. I, yes. I had a quick question. When uh, you're out in St. Louis, what airport do you fly out of? Or do I'm you... actually flying out of Springfield, Illinois. Um, oh, okay. SPI. Um, okay. I live in Jacksonville, which is about 30 miles to the west. Uh-huh. Um, but when I had my plane, it was based in Bethalto at Alton Regional. So okay, yeah. Have you ever been to that? Was it One Hotel Zero? Um, um Cre- one H- Creve, oh, Creve, yeah, Creve, um, Creve, Creve Court, absolutely, or something. Beautiful. Oh my god. Um, Warbird or not Warbirds, but beautiful. Um, vintage everything. Vintage oh, I've been there. Plane yeah. museum, and um, they have a big Waco fly-in, and. Um, yeah, just a lot of beautiful things. And I was I was thinking we we're going to get other people's airplanes in there, and all of us, Dave and I, and a few other guys in there to do an interview with him. And oh yeah! I sat with him for a few minutes, and he said, "Well, here, let me take you through the hangar." And I'm like, "Well, you know, I don't know how much time we have." And he brought us to a hangar, and he's I'm like, "All right, well, thank you very much." He goes, "You don't want to see the other ones?" He had like six hangars. Oh, there's tons of hangars of, that are there's full like seventy. Of yeah. But just for this little museum or whatever, it's like five bucks and you get a printed copy of, yeah. the, of the booklet that tells and the story when they tried to fly the these planes to Oshkosh and everything else and why they would never do it again. And But it was just really weird, but re- a really quirky little setup, but a gorgeous quirky, airport. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. the planes that this guy has, I mean, there's, I think he last count when I was there was like 75 or 80 airplanes. And yeah, there's like six or seven hangers. Yeah, I think it was a couple years ago um, when the guy passed away. Um, you know, oh, his family no. inherited all of these planes, and so they're in this estate. And so I don't think there's any of them flying now. Um, but I knew he had around sixty at the time, and uh, it's it, the airport is amazing. And the owner of the airport has um, a Sunday. I think it's on Sundays. They do a lunch. They do a lunch. It's like the <laughs> first Sunday of the month it. or something. Yeah. And um, it's like 10 bucks or something. And they actually like grill out and they have salad. And it's not just hot dogs. You know, it's it's really kind of nice. And yeah, um, the wives, some of the some of the pilot wives, I mean, not to, but some of the pilot wives will bring out. in their own stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Exactly. Or, 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 or the husbands. Uh-huh. Or, or the pilot husbands. Yeah. It's funny. We have a good friend of ours. I think you guys know her, uh, Tracy, uh, IOP Fly Girl. Um, and she's a pilot, and her husband's not. So we always joke that when we go to like Oshkosh and Sun and Fun, that we're going to drop her husband off at the uh, the wives' tent. Oh, <laughs> <you know? yeah>. Perfect. <laughs> they're they're knitting today. Exactly. Yeah. Tupperware awesome. tomorrow. Uh, That's fun. 
But no, I just was curious if you'd ever been there. If not, I was going to tell you that de- I was definitely going to recommend no, that because it's such a neat, yeah. it's such a neat airport. It is. Yeah, it is quirky though. That was, that was a good uh, uh, adjective <laughs> to use. Yeah, I was like, "What is this?" Yeah, he, I'll have to yeah, send you um, pictures of when I flew in there last year when they were a little bit flooded, and oh. um, so it looks like I'm a seaplane or something because all of the surrounding ground is flooded. Oh, <laughs> yeah, all that so. was like all the farmland. It was all, it was like a yeah. A, there's, there's literally just farms right around him. Last year, so it kind of spilled into uh, that. But the guy so. told me something amazing about the planes. He said almost every one of them. There was two of them that weren't together. He said almost every, but virtually every plane in that list with that basically just fill up or change out the fuel, an oil change, maybe put air under tires. But he said basically every plane within twelve to twenty-four hours could be flyable. Yeah, wow. at that time, wow. it was amazing what they could do. And 70 do. of them or so. 65, yeah. 70, 75, whatever it was. Yeah, he had but that's full a lot of planes to, to maintain. And, yep. Yeah. And that guy wow. said he had, he had uh, landed in a tree a couple times. Oh. <laughs> he had a, Scary. There was a big old tree on the other side. There was like a little creek there. And he said yeah. he landed in a tree, the same tree, two different oh, occasions. Man. Oh, my goodness. Poor tree. <laughs> Stay same tree, tree. same Poor tree, tree. Oh. two different, two different planes on two different occasions. Wow! I'm thinking, dude, you need to cut the tree down. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. That's the first thing that went through my head. Get rid of that tree. Yep. Yeah, that tree's in the wrong spot. Yep. Ladies, thanks so much for taking some time to talk to us here on on Logbook Memories. This has been a super fun uh, show. I'm really, I'm really excited about this one. Yeah, well, thank, thank you so, so much. much. It was really fun. This is fun. Alyssa, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok at Fly Alyssa. Awesome. I'm sure we'll... Uh, I, I, I don't follow you on TikTok yet, so I will oh, fix that as soon as I hit can, the done, yeah. done recording here. I can fix that problem. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, I, oh, I can only imagine. Oh. <laughs> she just taught me a little bit about it today. We were I really don't understand. I'm not 20 years old, so I don't really understand <laughs> TikTok. Yeah. I'm trying to I, was, I was told middle-aged white guys should not be on TikTok at all. Uh, well, I, no, I get I it. But I'm, hearing from, I'm hearing from Gary V that if I'm not there, I'm missing out. So uh, I'm yes, out. I know. And Natalie, what about you? Where can people find you on the internet? Um, at Fly Girl Kelly. It's, uh, I can be I mean, on Facebook, Instagram, and I'm also on TikTok now. <laughs> and then Twitter and LinkedIn. I'm on, I'm on all the places. Excellent. Awesome. Well, cool. Thanks so much for taking some time to talk to us here. Uh, and again, audience, if you're not subscribed to Cockpits and Cocktails podcast, it's, uh, Do it's it. a good listen. Tech, check it out. So. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks so much for joining us here on Logbook Memories. Thank you for having us. Laters. Thanks so much for listening to Logbook Memories. If you'd like to share a memory from your logbook, drop us an email to stories at logbookmemories.com. That's stories at logbookmemories.com. And since we are just starting out, it would mean the world to us if you left a five-star rating on iTunes. And if you really want to help us out, Maybe write a short review telling the world how awesome we are. Don't forget to share us with your friends. We'll catch you on the next episode of Logbook Memories.